Recently, one of our children, after David had preached and talked about how he got under conviction and they were in a certain intersection in Mobile and at age eight, he asked his mother about being saved and she told him about plainly how to be saved and he talked about he was saved. Well, there was a, one of our young boys that would have uh, been talking to his family about being saved. And when he, when he heard the word that David was eight, kind of created uh, an interest in him. And then, so when he got in the car, he said to his parents, well, I want to be baptized. And uh, they said, okay. And, but then he asked another question. And this is why I'm preaching this message. He looked at him and said, well, let me ask you something. What happens to me if I don't get saved? Now, that's a pretty good question. What happens to me if I don't get saved? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the answer to that question? You know, another way you could put it that would maybe help us to get in, in, in better perspective is, well, what happens to me if I die without Christ? Now, that's a good question. By the way, that's an eternal question. And that's a question that people love to avoid. And really, they don't even like for you to address it because they're living their life now and they don't want anything to interrupt their lifestyle. But I'm going to answer the question this morning. What happens to a person if they don't get saved? What happens to a man or woman or teenager if they die without Christ? You know, the Bible is absolutely and unmistakably clear. The thing I love about the Word of God, and by the way, I don't care what any, uh, anybody tells you, well, that when I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe the Bible. It's just a bunch of fairy tales and all that stuff. First of all, they haven't read it. They haven't read it. Secondly, it would have to change the way they lived. And they, so they just say, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Well, first of all, have you read it? And tell me what part of it you don't believe. You say what kind of errors in you in, in there. I challenge you to show, to show me one. The word of God clears that up. So I, I'm telling you, I, I'm not interested in unions of men. I'm not in, interested in of men. I'm not interested in, in, in says, well, if you die and go to purgatory, we can lay you out. I'm not in that. And I'm not interested in this thing that you can get, and get somebody out of purgatory. I don't even know what, how to spell purgatory. Let's know where it is. But interested in answering the question honestly, when a person dies without Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do is just going to look in the Bible. I give you my opinion. I'm going to look straight at Jesus and answer the question, what happens if I don't get saved? What happens if, I, if a person dies without Christ? I feel it's very important before I get into that question that I need to speak to you about it. You know, we have to know the heart of the God created us. 
Now, you remember Jesus, Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Remember what John said, that when Jesus came, he came to reveal the Father. It says, no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. You know, today people want to create a God in their own image, a God of their liking. Well, that's just deception. I'm sorry. So I, I want to know about the heart of God. How does God feel about a person who dies without Christ? What is the heart of God toward everyone he created, man or woman? So I, I just want to take a glimpse at the heart of God. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at, at, the, at chap, uh, uh, Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. Now we're talking about what happens to a person if they die without Christ. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is a day. Just stay there a minute. I mean, one day, to a thousand years is to God as one day. There's no such thing as time as far as God is concerned. He's eternal, without beginning, without ending. So a thousand years is a day, and a year is a thousand. A thousand years is a day, and one day is a thousand years. And it goes on and says, in ver- and, and says, says, the Lord is not slack. You know, He's not a slow concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us. Now I want you to underline this. In your heart. He's long suffering toward us. Now get this. Not willing. That any should perish. God. Does not want anybody. To die without Christ. No. God does not want any. Not anybody not to be saved. It says here. Not willing. That any. Should perish. But that all. Should to repentance. Very clear. God. There's no rejoicing in heaven. Sinner rejects Christ. Oh, there's no re- There is rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents to Christ. But let's look on at the heart of God. On to second, first Timothy chapter 2, 6. Now this is the heart of God. Good and acceptable in the sight of God our sir. Now look at this. Now what part do you understand? Who desires people to be saved. I believe I understand what that means. God did all people to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. He's not willing that any should perish. And he decided that all people would be saved. And come to the knowledge of. It's the heart of God. So you go on and there's another verse. Romans 5, 6 through. By the way, go back to verse, verse 5. It's up on the screen. One God. And one mediator between God and man and the man Christ Jesus. And the next verse says, who gave himself a ransom, paid the price for you to be saved, to be testified. All right. Now we're going to go to Romans 5, 6 through 8. And this shows you now the heart of God. And you were still without strength. You couldn't. 
You were spiritually dead, spiritually blind, spiritually lost, without God, and with. For when you were still without strength, in due time, Christ for the ungodly. All right, look on at the next verse. Scarcely for a righteous man will, will one die, yet perhaps for a good, one, good man, someone might even dare to die. But now here it is. Want to know the heart of God? God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, still rebellious, still going our own way, still living for ourselves, I mean, God shows his love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the heart of God. And it goes on and, and, and talks about just God's great love. There's one other one I want to show you, and that's 1 John 3.17. Now, I'm talking to you about the heart of God. For John, John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. What part of that do we not understand? Jesus did not come to condemn us. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, through him, his son, might be, say the word. What does it say? Saved. God sent people so they could be Jesus, so they could be saved. So now we know the heart of God. He's willing that none should perish. He would have all men to come to repentance. You know, and so, hey, God doesn't want anybody ever to die without Christ. God doesn't want any, anybody to die lost. Why in the world do you think Jesus left heaven and came to earth and died on a cross, suffered the wickedness and abuse of men, took our sins on himself, if God wanted people to go to hell? All right. Well, let me then, let's answer the question. What happens when a person dies without Christ? What happens when a person dies if they're not saved? Well, the first thing is that they die in their sin. Boy, that's pretty serious. John chapter 8, I want you to look at this. Jesus told them, now, if you don't believe in me, you're going to die in your sin. He says, he said to them, you're from beneath, I am from above. You're of this world, I am not of this world. Then he went on and said in the next verse, Therefore I said unto you that you will die in your sin. Plural. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So what happens when a person dies without Christ? They die in their sins. Absolutely clear. Therefore, I said to you, you will die in your sins. If you do not believe I am he, you will die in your sin. Let me give you another verse. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, talking about what happens when a person dies without Christ. They die in their sin. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. His ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have separated you from God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. 
You know, uh, when a person dies without Christ, they die in their sin. There's another verse that I would share with you. 1 John 1, 8 through 10. Now look at this verse. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. I don't believe there's anybody in this room that would say, I've never sinned. I've never sinned. I don't believe anybody would say that. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. You go on and look down in, the, in verse um, 10, it says, well, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But then look at this. Are you ready for this? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And the truth is not in us. So here's the first thing that happens if a person dies without Christ. They die in their sin. Well, here's the second thing that happens. When a person dies without Christ, when a person dies who is not saved, they're judged by God for their sin. They are judged by God for their sin. It's very clear. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. See, all I'm doing is giving you scripture now. I'm not giving you my opinion. It says, if we die in our sins, we'll judge by God. Look at this verse. It is appointed unto men, it is appointed for men to die once. Appointed unto men once to die, but after this, thee say the word. Now, wait a minute. It's appointed unto man once to die, not be annihilated, not just go into the grave and never exist again. Every man who dies has an appointment. It is appointed, every man and woman, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Verse 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin to salvation. So when you die in your, without Christ, you're facing the judgment of God. Hebrews 2, 1, in th- 1 through 3. And, and it's something in this that you'll miss if you're not careful. Judgment. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed. We've got to pay attention to what, the things we've heard lest we drift away. Okay? All right? Next verse. If, if the word, now get, don't miss this. If the word spoken by the angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. Oh, every transgression and every disobedience will be judged by God. It will receive a just reward and not a favorable one. So how shall we escape being judged every transgression and disobedience? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which first to be spoken to us by the Lord and confirmed by us to those who heard it? All right. So what happens when a person dies without Christ? What happens if a person dies and they're not saved? They die in their sins. Number two, they're judged by God. 
But let me give you two other verses now about this thing of being judged by God. Romans chapter 14, verse 7. You say, well, Brother Fred, I'm just going to live my life to myself. It's, it's my life. I'm going to live it the way I want to live it. And I'm not going to give, have to give an account to anybody. Well, you're deceived. But look at what it says in verse 7. No one lives to himself and no one dies to himself. If we live, we live unto the Lord. Now, wait a minute. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. So, it talks about the fact that we are accountable to God. All right? Look at verse 11 and 12. All right. Now, we talk about we'll be, our, sin, our sins will be judged by God. It is written, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. Now, here it is. So then, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. God's not going to ask me about you. In fact, and I'm talking about if a person dies without Christ, but also there's a judgment seat of Christ, which is another message. But it says here, so then, each one of us will give an account to God. God will judge our sins. You say, well, Brother Fred, when is he going to do that? When is God going to judge our sin? All right. In the book of Revelation, the 20th chapter, I never will forget, God had just, uh, had just uh, been called to preach. I at that point did not have a church. I'd only been really walking with the Lord for three or four months. And I went to church, and um, there was an evangelist from Canada preaching at this church. It was Forest Drive Baptist Church in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. No, it wasn't. It was in Columbia, South Carolina. That's where it was. Well, Barry Moore Moore was a preacher, and he was preaching on judgment, and he preached on the great white throne judgment. And I'll tell you what happened when he did it. I never will forget it. So what happens if a person dies without Christ? They die in their sin. What is the heart of God? That nobody, 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 dies without Christ. What is the heart of God? That nobody, nobody, nobody dies in their sin. That is not the heart of God. But he gave man a choice. And so some choose to go their own way and to refuse God's offer. So if you die without Christ, you die in your sins and you will be judged. Well, here it is. Verse 11 of Um, chapter 20 I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it now this is the judgment of the lost because Christians would not be afraid to face God because they're in Christ 
I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose face heaven and earth tried to run away. They fled away. But there was found no place for them. Here they are standing before the great white throne. They see the face of him that sits upon the throne. And they'll call for the mountains to fall on them. If there's any way in this world they could get away from facing God that they could. But they can't. There was no place found them. And it says. And says. And I saw the dead. This is talking about spiritually. I saw the dead. Small. That means. Just ordinary people. And great. Extraordinary people. In the eyes of the world. You see, the ground is level. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. And you know what was written in those books? Every sin that that lost person had ever committed. Every sin. See, if you don't believe, if you die without Christ, you die in your sins. And you know, there's a record. There's a record. It says, and the books were opened. And another book was opened. Oh, another one. Which was the book of life. And the dead were judged. Oh, there's that word. You mean to tell me if a person dies without Christ, they're going to be judged by God? Oh, yeah. And the dead were judged according to their works. By the things which were written in the books. Whoa. You thought everybody, nobody knew about that. I've tried to forget that. Don't tell me one day I'll have to face that. Don't tell me that. And the dead were judged according to the works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, death and Hades, And that's uh, not the word for hell that Jesus used. Death and Hades delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, wait a minute, as a group. No, no, no. And they were judged each one. Each one according to their works. You say, how can God do that to so many people? He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. There's no such thing as time in heaven. And each one was judged according to his work. And the dead were judged according to their works by by the things that were written in the books. And then it says, then in verse 13, the last part, they were judged each one according to his worth. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Boy, that's pretty strong. They were cast into the lake of fire. So, what if a person dies without Jesus Christ? God doesn't want them to. He didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. He sent him into the world so that people could be saved. But he didn't create a bunch of robots. He gave you a choice. He gave you a will. He did. And so you're responsible for your choices. And so it says here that they were judged. 
All right. Now, by the way, if you would look at verse um, 10 before in chapter 20, it says um, that the devil and the false prophet, they all been, when this judgment occurs, the devil's already in hell forever. Look at what it says. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, and the beast and false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. In 2010, the devil's in hell never to get out. He's not there yet. He's still trying to take as many people to hell with him as he can. But he's not there yet. But he will be there. And he knows it. Okay, so, if we die without Christ, if we die in our sins, if we die without Christ, if we die without being saved, we, are, we will die in our sins. Number two, we'll be judged by God for our sin. Here's the third thing. Um, we will experience the wrath of God in a place called hell. And that's for eternity. You know, the Bible teaches unmistakably that there is heaven. 85% of Americans believe there's a heaven. But less than 5% believe there's a hell. Now, I have a problem. The same book that tells them about heaven is the same book that tells them about hell. You say, well, Brother Fred, would a loving God ever send anyone to hell? I've already told you. He's not willing that any would perish. He's willing that all men would be saved. He sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through them might be saved. Do you understand? God loved this world so much that his only son died on a cross in, in the place of, of, of lost sinners so they wouldn't have to go to hell. Don't you put the fact that hell is a reality on God, put it on the fact that God's creation rebelled against God and has gone their own way, and it's just the wrath of God for their wickedness and sin. That's exactly what it is. And but for the grace of God, each one of us would be going there. We'll talk about that. Well, let, let's see what the Bible says about hell. All right, let's go back to Matthew chapter 10, verses, um, I think it, we're going to start, um, we'll go to verse 28. It says that these are the words of Jesus. Hey, by the way, Sheol was used for the place of the dead. The dark place of the dead was used in the Old Testament about 60 times. Sheol, the place of the dead, the dark place of the dead. Hades, the place of the dead, the dark place of the dead. It's not, it's not hell. And then there was a third, then there was the word that was, is translated hell. All right. There is a valley outside of Jerusalem called the Valley of Hinnon, H-I-N-N-O-N. Now, the Valley of Hinnon was the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem. All the cr criminals that were killed were thrown on the garbage dump outside of um, Jerusalem, the Valley of Hinnon, and the fire never went out. All the refuse and garbage was all dumped in the Valley of Hinnon and the fire there never went out and the smoke forever ascended toward heaven. So, the word that Jesus used for hell 
And he spoke 13 times about hell. 12 times he used this word. It wasn't Sheol. It wasn't Hades. It was Gehenna. G-E-H-E-N-N-A. Which he was referring to the Valley of Hinnon. And I've already told you what the Valley of Hinnon was. Now, so, by the way, now this is going to disturb you, but I'm telling you, it, it ought to, in, in, in a way, encourage us to know that God loves us enough. He'll do, he did all he could do to save us. Jesus spoke about hell more than any figure in the Bible. Nobody in the Bible spoke about hell as much as Jesus. You say, Brother Fred, are you glad there's a hell? And it ain't got nothing to do with what I feel. I didn't create this world. You didn't either. But by the grace of God, I was created in his image and born into this world. And it just so happened that we were born into a fallen world. Adam sinned. And, and, and sin passed down to every one of us. Well, you say, well, it was Adam's fault, but it doesn't matter. You sinned. Yeah, Adam sinned and you inherited a nature that is sinful. But that still doesn't excuse your sin because you made a choice and you sinned. The fact that you had a sinful nature just made it easier. But you don't under, you've got to understand. God made a provision so that you would never have to die in your sin. Anybody that dies in their sin chooses to do so. Oh, it's their choice. They choose to do so. And so this idea that why in the world would a loving God ever let anybody go to hell? Let me just say one thing. He's done everything he can to keep you out of hell. Do you not understand that? My Lord. What else could he do? His own son died on the cross in your place. And so in Matthew it says, do not fear those that kill the body. This is Jesus. But rather fear him who's able to destroy both body and soul in Gehenna, in hell. Fear him who can destroy body and soul in hell. In Matthew chapter 5, Verses 27 through 30. Jesus is using imagery here to show you how important it is not to go to hell. All right, look at verse 27. You have heard that it was said of, of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Okay. But then Jesus said, but it's, let me tell you where adultery starts. But I say to you that whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He looks at a woman and in his mind, a woman looks at a man. In their mind, they conceive committing a sexual act with them. And by the way, you know why pornography is so bad? Because they're, you're, they're, you're looking at a man or a woman in their nakedness, and lust rises in your heart. And that image is forever imprinted on your brain. Did you know it's harder to overcome addiction to pornography than it is cocaine or heroin because you take that and it gets out of your system and it's gone. But when you watch pornography, every image is imprinted upon your brain and it's there. People do not understand that it's the most addictive thing in the world. And boy, people get, they say, well, I can't, you know, I'm not even going to go there, but I've gone there enough to tell you. Uh, he said, uh, and he says, and Jesus said, well, if you've got a problem with the lust, with your eye, listen to what he says. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is more profitable for you that one of your members 
perish, then your whole body be cast into hell. He said, pluck it. And he was using figurative language. He said, you know, it's serious business, folks. And then he went on again. And, and if you steal and your right hand's causing you to sin, cut it off, cast it from you. It's more profitable that one of your members perish than your whole body. Now, this is Jesus. The man who bore your sin in his body on the cross. The one who was forsaken by the Father because your sin was placed upon him. And he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus. He says, he warned the scribes and Pharisees. He said, you've been a generation of serpents and vipers. How shall you escape the damnation of hell? He wanted them to. And so we've got to understand that everyone who dies without Christ experiences the wrath of God in a place called hell. In Matthew 25, verse 41, then he will say to those on his left hand, this is at the, uh, when he gathered the nations and the sheep on one side, the goats on the other, and he was using imagery. But anyway, gets down to the last. Then he will say to those on his right hand, Depart, on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Wait a minute now. Prepared for the devil and his angels. It was not prepared for you. It was not prepared for me. God never intended for anybody to go there. Did he know they would? Yeah. But I'm telling you, it was prepared for the devil and his angels. He'll say to those, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And then in verse 46, he says, and, there, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto eternal life. All right. What happens when a person dies without Christ? I'm not going to give you my opinion. They die in their sins. They're judged by God for their sins. And they experience the wrath of God in a place called hell. That is what the Bible teaches. Well, I don't like that kind of God. You ain't got a choice. Like one person who was running for office said, we need to take those hard verses out of the Bible. You can take them out, but God hadn't. I wonder what would happen in all the seeker-friendly churches across America today if the preacher would stand up and preach against hell. He'd lose most of his congregation. Oh, yeah. They don't want to hear it. I don't like it. I don't like to hear it. But it's the truth. And the Bible says... If you warn the wicked, he said, if you don't warn the wicked to turn from his wicked way and he dies in his sin, his blood's going to be on your hands. I don't want the blood of unsaved people on my hands. But he says, if you warn the wicked and they don't turn away, you've delivered yourself. But I want to close by saying this. I want you to listen to me. I just want to give you the verses that God said. He says, let me tell you what. 
If you'll repent of your sin and you will surrender your life to Jesus Christ, I'll wash every one of your sins away. They'll be forgotten. They'll be cast in the depths of sea and they will never be brought up again. Then that's good news, isn't it? That is good news. He said, in fact, and let me tell you what, and Luke, let's just look at Luke 13, 1 through 5. It says, there were there present at that season some who uh, told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Then Jesus said, now, do you think they were worse sinners than you? Jesus answered and said to them, do you suppose these Galileans were worse sinners than all other? Uh, that, that the Galileans suffered such things. And then what did Jesus said? He said, I tell you, but unless you repent, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. And he says it again in, in about two verses down. He said, unless you repent. Now, now, what does that mean? Now, listen to me. Let me tell you what it means. You know what it means. It means you not only confess your sin, but it means by the grace and power of God, you turn away from them. Repent means to turn around. It means to go into a new direction. Now, there are a lot of people that will confess, oh, I'm a sinner, but they have no intention of turning around. They have no intention of walking away from it. Oh, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I'm going to keep on doing what I've always done. You have not repented. You know the only sin that you've really repented of is the one you no longer practice. Well, I've confessed to God that that was a sin. Are you still doing it? You hadn't repented. Repented means I confess, oh God, it's a sin, and I turn away from it. Now, you can't turn away from it in your own power. It is only by the power of Jesus. But you see, repentance is. In Acts chapter 20, verse 21, it says, Paul said, I preached, I testified to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Now, look what it says. Repentance toward God, God, I've sinned against you. And faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message. God, I repent. I've sinned against you. And I'm trusting Jesus to wash my sins away. And to cleanse me from his, with his blood. And to give me his righteousness. i got good news for you. When Christ Jesus lives in your life and you die in Christ, you will never be judged for your sin. No wonder the word gospel means good news. You see, I know that I deserve hell. And I know that every one of us deserve hell because we've all sinned. You say, but my sins weren't as big as others. Well, okay, I mean, come on. But you see, the whole message of the gospel, God does not want anybody to go to hell. In fact, he took a drastic measure to keep them from going. His glorious, wonderful son left heaven, came to earth, and became a bondservant. And then he went to the cross. And he took every one of your sins. And every one of my sins. In his body on that tree. Christ died for our sins. He died for our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And so Jesus took our place. He took our hell. He took our judgment. Oh yes he did. And all he says is this. I don't want you to perish. I don't want you to perish. I do not want you to perish. I came not to condemn you. You were already condemned. I came to save you. So let me give you this verse. It's found in Romans 10, 
9 and 10. If you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross in my place. I believe you shed your precious blood. And I believe the only way to be saved is to receive your sacrifice and to repent and just say, God, I know I've sinned, but I want to go another direction. You change me. You make me a new creature. Now, I want to tell you one thing. You cannot live the Christian life in your own power. You cannot overcome sin in your own power. You have to let Jesus come into your life and be the Lord of your life and give you the power. The reason some of you have tried and failed, you tried to do it on your own self. Somebody told me the other day, for years I tried to save myself, and then one day Jesus saved me, and it's been all the difference in the world. That's exactly what he told me this week. For years I tried to save myself. But then one day, God touched him and saved him. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be what? Say it again. Saved from your sins. Saved from the judgment of God. Saved from hell. Man, it's good to be saved. Hallelujah. It's good to be saved. So all I'm saying is, thank God that God blockaded the road to hell with a cross. And to get in there, you've got to go over it or around it. It says, whosoever shall call upon, for with mouth, with the heart, one believes to righteousness. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross in my place. I believe you shed your blood for me. And I receive your sacrifice. I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. With the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You come to Jesus in humility. God be merciful to me a sinner. You come to Jesus in repentance. God I have sinned. And I am a sinner, but Lord, I want, I want to change. I don't want to keep going the way I'm going. So I'm asking you to forgive me and to change me on the inside so I will be different on, on the outside. And then you just come in faith. There are two things that bother me. Knowing what I know. Why am I not more burdened for lost people? Knowing it may be a son or a daughter, it may be a brother or a sister, it may be a friend at work, but you know that they are living in sin, they're practicing sin, they, do, they are not trusting Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and if they die in the next week or so and you go to their funeral, then you're going to know where they are. They can say, well, but you know he went to church when he was nine years old. Come on. I've never met anybody in that below Richmond that went to hell. Never. They always find some way to say they're in heaven. They always find some way. I'm telling you, it's amazing. I've had one person come to me, and this shook me up as a year ago. I had this one man come to me, and he said, Brother Fred, I'm, I'm writing this book. And I'm trying to describe what I have felt about hell after my brother died up in Ohio. And I knew he was lost. And I know that, to, I know that he's going to eventually be in, right now he's in hell, but not the final hell. 
but said, I know he's in hell. And I have to come to grips with that every day. I've never had anybody come to me and say, well, I, I know he went to hell. I know nobody wants to face that. I mean, can, I don't want to face that. It ain't no coming back. Nobody can't pay you out or pray you out. So I need to be more burdened for lost people. You know, and why, 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 why am I not just more burdened and broken? Because I don't want anybody. Jesus gave his life for those people that we see their sin. And sometimes we look down on them. But you've got to understand, but for the grace of God, that would be you and me. And then another thing that bothers me is I just need to find a way in love to just let them know I love them and tell them the good news of the gospel. You can do it and you give them a track. You can do a lot of things. And I'm for every bit of that and we need to do more. But you've got to build a relationship with a person. And you've got to get to know that person. And they've got to know you love them. And then they'll listen to you and you can give them the gospel. I'm telling you, they've got to see Christ in you. They've got to see Jesus in you. If you've got somebody that you know real well and they know you love them, and they know you care about them. And if they die today, you don't know where they would go. You're not sure they'd go to heaven. You're not sure. But if you're not sure they'd go to heaven, I think you're pretty sure where they're going to go. You know what you need to do? Now, I would give this to a stranger. But if it's somebody you know, and they know you love them, I take this CD and said, because I love you, I, I would ask you, just to listen to this as a favor to me. Now see, I'm, you say, but brother, listen, all I talked about in the beginning was who the heart of God. And then I told him about what if you reject God. See, it, it's not bad. It's good news because they already got bad news. So you pray about it. I don't know what we usually charge for a CD, but if, if, I mean, maybe $3. Well, I, I, you can get one of these. I'll just give you one of these. But you've got to promise. I mean, I'm not giving nothing away. I didn't produce it. But anyway, if you take one of them, if you take one of them, you're saying, I'll give it to somebody. Now, don't you take it. If you're just going to take it at home and put it on the shelf. But I promise you it'd make them think. But Brother Fred, what if I offend them? What are you going to do? Offend them to hell number two? No, it's because we love them that we tell them the truth. 